Welcome to Unapologetically You. I don't even have words to describe our guest, Rami. At 22, he's so understanding and compassionate despite all his hardships. Rami has lived through some of the roughest experiences that anyone can possibly go through. His journey to loving himself and learning that it's okay to be gay wasn't an easy one, but throughout it all, he radiates love, positivity, and kindness. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate us on whatever platform you listen so that we can continue to inspire you. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Unapologetically You Podcast to see pictures of our guests and even some midday pick-me-ups. Stay tuned for Rami's story and be sure to grab some tissues because this one is a tearjerker. Welcome, Rami. Kim and I came across Rami on TikTok because TikTok's amazing. And this is actually the first time we've actually got to talk to you. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the a guest on like your show right now. We are excited to have you. Obviously, we love TikTok, so we stalked your TikTok a little bit. <laughs> um, and from what we've seen of your story, you are honestly a truly remarkable human being. We absolutely love that you're using your platform that you've established to help others love themselves. I don't want anyone to have any self-doubt, self-hate against themselves. I know exactly how that feels. So if I can make a video once a day, twice a day, three times a day, that can just like make someone smile even just like a little bit that that it makes them love themselves just a little bit more that makes me happy and you have over a million followers on your social media accounts so I'm so what, lucky <laughs> what makes you want to share your story with everyone so i started just like kind of scrolling through tiktok one day and i saw that somebody there was like this trend basically it was a trend to come out as um gay or like bisexual or lesbian to your parents as a joke. All these TikTok influencers were like calling their parents uh, in their car and be like, mom, I'm gay. And the parents would like freak out or like the parents would be like, I support you. And then if the parents freaked out, they're like, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. And then the mom was like, oh my God, it's like so great. Like I was so scared. To me, it was super triggering because I got kicked out for being gay. Like every single day of my life, like growing up, I like, I never even got to come out if I'm gonna be honest. I was outed every single time and i i begged i begged my parents to believe that the rumors they were hearing were lies i wish every single day in my life that i could say mom dad i was just kidding because i could have like lived such an easy life but i had to go through a lot of like struggles through that so when i saw that video i said you know it's really not funny it's not a joke you should not be making a joke of lgbtq a struggles Right. And especially like, you know, it's almost like co-signing all these parents reactions to being like, oh, thank God you're not gay. When it- Yeah. What is that teaching? Right. I saw that and I said, you know, I don't like that. I just didn't like it. So I said, you know, I'm going to talk about my story. I'll tell you like you, I'll tell you my story and you tell me if it's funny. Right. So I said, if I can make these kids feel like it's going to be okay, if I can show them that I made it out to like, this other side and I'm doing great, then okay. Yeah. Heck yeah. Let me keep sharing. Let me show them that no matter what you go through, no matter what it is, it does not matter. I got so many bad cards. I grew up in a very suburban white town. Being brown was, people called my skin the color of their shit. You know, people made fun of my disabled brother. Since before I knew who my sexual orientation was, people would make fun of me for being gay. My parents were immigrants. They're, I was the first person in my like family to go to college, to be in an American school. And my mom barely speaks English. And my dad traveled for work. I was the, my older brother, again, is disabled. I was the oldest figure, male figure in my family. I had these horrible cards in my thing, but I said, you know what? It does not matter. I'm going to play these cards the way I want to play them. Look back 
like the 60s and 70s. People couldn't even like come out then, period, right? No. And they didn't have mentors. They didn't have somebody there who was strong enough to say like, look at the shit that I went through and look at who I am now. And the fact that you can give that to an entire generation of people is unreal. I wanted to show kids that if you don't have people supporting you, as long as you support yourself, you support your dream, you want your dream, just make it happen. No one has to support you for you to get what you want. At the end of the day, the only person's opinion that matters of you is yourself. And if you can find that self-love, then you can succeed. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you right now? Uh, I'm 22. Jeez, are you kidding me? Like at 22 years old, you are this strong mentally? That is amazing. <laughs> I had to grow I. I had to grow up so quick. You should be so proud of yourself. I mean, 22 years old and you're helping so many kids. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I, I'm lucky. <laughs> and what a way to look at it too, that, you, you know, for you to sit here and say, I'm lucky with all these things that you've gone through and to still be able to say, I'm lucky. What a great outlook you have. So earlier you had talked about, you know, your birth family. So what happened like as a child? Like, did you always know that you were gay? Or like when that realization came, did you just know you couldn't approach your parents? Growing up, I kind of always knew that it was a little, I was a little different. The one thing that like always just sticks out is I loved Barbies. I had an aerial Barbie that did not leave my sight. And uh, unfortunately, my dad did not really like that at all. He would always take those aggressions out on me. And anytime he saw like, well, we have family friends over, I would play like dolls with the girls. I wouldn't play with my brothers, like the video games. Or when I would go to their houses, like the family friends, I would like play dress up. And my dad never reacted well to that. And so that's when I started to feel very different. I started to like get attracted to guys around like fifth grade, I would say. I like noticed that I did not like girls. I was literally just thinking about like the cute guys in my math class. Like literally, I would just like daydream about guys. And I was like, okay, this is like a little off. Like this is like different. And I was just like thinking in my head, I was like, okay, like, I don't know what this is, but I'm just like going along with it. But then we moved to Dubai um, for my dad's work in sixth grade. And we, I remember this like really specific moment where we go out to like dinner and we're all like eating and we're like about to order and everything. And then we get our waiter to come. And he has a more feminine voice. And my dad makes a really weird comment. And he's like, oh, can you please go bring like another waiter? So then another waiter comes and my dad's like, you're going to be our waiter now. I don't want the other guy. Like, I don't feel comfortable around him. Um, I like asked my dad, I'm like, wait, why'd you make him leave? And he was like, oh, he's like more feminine. Um, he's like one of the gay people. He's like, oh, like, you don't even need to know about this. And like, he just goes off about like how it's wrong and how it's a sin and how like in Dubai, if like people found out about him, they would like, just like really crazy stuff. And it's true, Dubai has really bad laws for LGBT, uh, LGBT people. So, but like out of curiosity now, like was that the first time that you had heard that described? I, I had heard gay and I had like looked it up, but I, I didn't get it. I didn't, but I, something I wanted to talk to my parents about. Sure. But I never felt comfortable talking to my parents about like anything really. So it was like, I, I didn't want to research it more because I was kind of scared to, to be honest, read about it. And then if I read about it, it became more real. Sure. And if it became more real, I knew that I already felt like I was the kind of different I was, was wrong. 
So I was scared that if I added that on top of it, it would just be too much. So I just tried to, I just really tried to push it. It was a very big struggle. Well, because that's awful. Like that is an awful feeling to have. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, first off, we should be celebrating people's differences regardless, you know? So mm-hmm. like the fact when you're a kid though, like all you want is your parents' approval. And if you yeah. feel like you're the odd one now, it's like, well, there, there's something wrong with me. Internally, I'm wrong. And that's just, yeah. that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it hurts. And like, especially when you see like your brothers like being treated better, you just, you get, you question, you're like, why is it isolated? So, okay. So you're in Dubai now, like you're starting to be attractive to other guys, right? Yeah. So then um, I'm going to like school. It was like a British school, like a British curriculum school. And over there, they had like a crazy mix of students, like in every walk of life you can imagine literally was at that school and it was it was amazing and then i started to make a lot of friends from like every different like continent country different language different religions you can imagine and i remember one thing that i like really just made me be myself was uh katie perry dropped out with like the teenage dream like that oh my god that album and there was a ver- this store called like a virgin mega store they had the album there like as like a free thing like a free thing you could listen to yeah and i would like take like these giant headphones it sounds so old this was literally in like 2013 but i would like, <laughs> put these like giant headphones on and i'd be like listening to Katy perry and i'd be jamming out to like teenage dream to like um firework oh my god that song made me like made me who i am but i was jamming out and then i would go and hang out with my friends and i I would be singing Katy perry and i was like a way more feminine version of myself that i ever was and over there i realized that they started liking me a lot more when i was myself they did not like me when i was like almost like sheltered blah blah blah. they liked me more when i was like embracing that more feminine side that i thought was wrong so that's when I really started like feeling like better about the whole thing. And how telling too that when you finally come to that realization, it's when you're in this place with all these people that are completely different from each other and just goes to show that everybody, while they are so different, they're so connected still. Exactly. Feel like you can be yourself with these people who are nothing, you know, like you said, they're all from all these different countries and everything. So their backgrounds are all different and everything's different. Yeah you finally feel accepted and you feel free to be yourself with these people. It was, it was honestly so like, it was so liberating. While you're feeling this way, you know, with your friends, are you feeling that confidence at home too? Unfortunately not. I would say I was like the class clown. Every teacher had nothing but good things to say about me, how I was funny. If you talk to any of my like friend's parents, he's the most polite, most respectful, most, they had nothing but good things to say about me. But then I go home and I'm like a completely different version of myself. I'm just not me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm two different people. I'm two completely different people. And when I tried to embrace the person that I wanted to be, I got a lot of backlash from my dad from it. Well, that like further perpetuates almost like this like double life that you have to live then, right? Like this is who I am at home and this is who I really am to everybody else. And it splits your head. It really takes a toll mentally. When I feel an LGBTQ and a person has to like be two different people, they're two completely different people. And sometimes it gets hard because you lose yourself. You almost have to be this one extreme when you're at home. So you feel sometimes the need to be this huge other extreme when you're not at home. It just, it really does mess with you. I can only imagine. I mean, I, and that's, that's something that like, 
as straight people, we should probably acknowledge that I've never had to deal with that. And the fact that people have to hide who they are in 2020 is the problem. It is. Like, you can't. This is the thing. You can never love yourself if you're hiding yourself. If you're consistently putting yourself, if you're hiding yourself, I think you're putting yourself down and you're telling yourself that there's a part of you that's wrong. It's 2020. There's nothing, there's no part of you that's wrong. And as soon as you learn to embrace every unique aspect of yourself that you, that somebody actually made you believe is wrong and you actually see that thing as something unique, something different, something that you should actually cherish and like let flourish and grow, that's when you start to love yourself. There's too much bad in the world right now for us to also be bad to ourselves. Absolutely. So how long did you guys stay or how long did you stay in Dubai for a period before you ended up coming back here? So it was the end of my uh, eighth grade over there. I was so distraught because I was really close to those kids. Yeah. I started like telling them things that were happening to me at home. They started like telling me how it wasn't right. And like that's unfortunately when i realized like what was happening like what was happening at home wasn't the best i was friends with someone on playstation 3 and i would like just talk talk to them they were the person that like first taught me about like cps and they were telling me to call child protective services if i got to the us and i don't follow through with any of the child protective services i remember i call i literally like went in my mom's room one night i literally dial it on my phone and I hear the lady on the other side. I literally hear her say hello. Like and she says hello like multiple times. I don't say a single thing and I hang up. Because like I don't like it just it was so many obstacles that I knew like would come and I just was scared. Uh like the fear of the unknown, because you don't know yeah. what's gonna happen now. Yeah, exactly. So I just didn't, I couldn't. But then I go back to the US, right? And we're in eighth grade. And you know, the reason people didn't like me the first time was because I wasn't the same person as I learned that I could be in Dubai. I can still have this like really crappy home life, but you know what? You can make it better at school. You can just be this person. And so I said, screw it, like I don't care. So I go to that school and unfortunately I had a deviated septum and I couldn't I couldn't breathe. Uh because I had that thing, I had to get surgery on my like one of my nostrils and they had to shave tissue because it was completely like broken at that point. So I show up to my first week with bandages all over my nose literally like everyone's like the kid with the nose job he's kind of like freak like from dubai terrorist like he like they made a rumor that like my family was like a terrorist organization in dubai and they had to flee the country to the u.s and i got face surgery yeah i got face surgery to cover it up unfortunately when you don't have like a good home life and it's it's bad at school and it gets only worse at home like where do you go you stop feeling anything. I started like self-harming a lot. And if I had someone like me tell me that that wasn't the answer, I really think, I really think like things could have been different. And that's what I want these kids to see me as. Like, it's just something to just like forget about what they're going through at that moment and know that it's going to be okay. Well, yeah, you are a one hell of a strong role model for these kids. I love every single one of them. And way to use your your own struggles to benefit all these other people. I'm not grateful for what I went through, but I am so happy that I've been able to take what I've gone through and turn it into something that can benefit people because then it makes me feel like what I went through is a little more justifiable because I'm able to help people now. I don't know what to say besides amazing that you're able to come to this realization at 22 years old. 
and because of the experiences I've gone through, like living in Dubai with different people, we haven't even talked about when I was homeless and I was couch surfing. I'm telling you, I lived with a Jewish family. I lived with a black family. I lived with a Christian family. I lived with a Muslim family. I lived with a family that was from India. I lived with every different family while couch surfing. And all these experiences have made me not, I don't have hate for any single group. Why? Because I don't, there's bad apples in these and they're these bad apples are very rotten and they're like my birth family that scream scream from their lungs this hate but there are a lot of good people yes. that care that are loving that don't um preach that same hate i started to realize in ninth grade i guess you can say plan like my escape route uh i just wanted to go to college i wanted to like live in a like i wanted to like live in a dorm i wanted to be away from home yeah. like, it just sounded yeah. like such a like that, like being away from home sounds such like amazing, amazing, amazing thing to me. And um, I wanted to do it. So I was like, what do you want to do in college? And I was like, I wanted to act. Like, I just want to act. And yeah. I, I was like, well, you don't need to act to go to college. And I was like, yeah, but then if you don't go to college and you try to be an actor, then you have to stay like at home, you know? So you have to go to college for something and it has to be like somewhere far away. So I fantasized about going to college in California. That was like, chef's kiss biggest dream so i enrolled in my school's like drama thing and i remember this is so bad but like not bad but like it was just weird i wasn't allowed to enroll in drama like my parents had to sign off on the form and my dad said no drama is for gay people so i said you know what that doesn't fly with me and that's when i first started to learn um how to like forge my dad's signature for these things so i literally got a new form put it on and i literally started taking what I, i took like drama whatever are all these different classes did your mom know or no um to a point she she i started telling her kind of i just never wanted her to be in a position where she had to lie yes you know like i if i got in trouble it was okay i just didn't want her to get in trouble for me even because she did like a lot of times she lied for me she like the things that like a lot of times like for example she caught me like watching like you know gay porn and she never told it to my dad because she knew like exactly what happened and then like she took a lot of faults for me and it like hurt their relationship a lot like i i was a lot of the, the cause for a lot of their fault like fallouts and stuff and i just did not want to keep doing it so i i hit a lot from both of them like but then um i started like later after they saw my first report card um you can't hide it there it was like theater one so i said like they saw it and they're like you're in theater and i was like yeah i like, ended up like switching my classes like went to the council or whatever and they got really mad but i said i can't drop out anymore like it's what i want to do and i it was the first time like really standing my ground i started doing the school shows i started just immersing myself in like theater right nobody was out the gay in my school but like there were boys that were wearing makeup just other people like me there were other guys like me there for sure that and i started becoming like really good friends with them and that felt really good because I could not be myself at home ever. And instead of like really letting it get to me at that point, because I was like so tired of like the, what I had been through already in middle school, I hated who I was. And I said, you know, like I really like whatever, I'll just be that person at home. But like at school, I'm just who I want to be. And then um, I came out to like my friend. Uh, I, I remember like crying, turn like saying, because I started realizing basically that I was gay when I was in theater and like, and I, started talking to this one boy um my ninth grade year his we'll say his name's jay and we were best friends and then we would like talk about like dating girls and he'd be like no and then he like finally admitted that he's like yeah i don't want to date any girls like to be honest i kind of like you 
And I was like, another boy that likes me, a boy, what? You know? So um, we were like secretly dating my like freshman year, like end of the freshman year. But at this point, like I was so happy. Everything was perfect. So then on top of that, everyone at school started liking me and I was class president. And at that time, people, I started coming out to people. And then over the summer, my dad like started working even more like overseas. So he'd gone for like two weeks or whatever. Thing, the things that were happening at home weren't happening at home anymore because like I'm a big boy. So it was good. And then um, unfortunately, not always good things like won't always last, you know? At the end of the summer of my freshman year going into my sophomore year of high school is when things like took like a huge south. So what exactly happened then? Like was that, did your parents find out or? So um, my mom goes to, a parent-teacher conference. That teacher was also my swim coach. And she's talking to him about my older brother. My dad's like on the phone basically with her because they're talking about Omar and like his case at school and stuff. Then they start, he like the coach starts going off about me. And he's like, oh my God, like Rami, like your other son, he's amazing. Like you should be so proud of him. Like there's really nobody at school like him. Cause at this point I had come out like completely to my school. The teacher basically steps up and he's like, yeah, like, it's just really amazing to have someone like your son who's openly gay. He's class president, varsity swim team. He's getting leads on like the don't my parents did not hear any of that. They did not hear the four point like the four point one GPA. They did not hear the varsity swimming. They did not hear the, those good things that I was doing. They just heard that your son's gay. And then my mom comes home like crying. And like I don't even I'm like in the kitchen. I don't know why she's crying at this point. She's just like sobbing. Like uncontrollably and i thought like something really bad happened no the way she was crying was like someone died um she just like started saying like in arabic she's like she's like please tell me like it's not true please please it's not true it's not true like what he said isn't true and then like in my head i just knew like i was like the jigs up like they know everything like i tried saying it's no like it's a rumor it's a rumor it's a rumor and then my dad calls me and he just like does not say the right things ever he literally in the most stern voice says like if you are like if this is true this i don't want you like you're better off like if you just like take your life and even though like things were great for me at school it felt like everything was going to leave because they had my dad was like in the most stern voice possibly is like it's it's a rumor of always like well this is true you're not my son you you it's better off if you're blah if it's better off it's better off and he just repeats that he's like, you're going to military school tomorrow. I, I've already looked up the best military schools, blah, blah, blah. You're leaving your school. You're never going to see these people again. You, your mom's taking your phone away tonight. I've already deactivated the service. No, he's like just saying these list of things. And all I could think about was like middle school me again. Like nobody that understands him. I know this sounds stupid, but my phone was what saved me every fucking day at home just being able to talk to anybody outside. I literally said, you know what? If my dad wants me gone, why not? The, the people that brought you into this world don't want you anymore. Who the fuck will? That's what my mentality was. So I literally um, go, because my brother is very sick, has lots of pills. So I go downstairs. I take um, every single, every pill in the bottle and I wash it down with like a bunch of like vodka and I don't want to be found. So I like go to this park and I like text my friend, leave my phone at home, but they found me. The police, like the, my first boyfriend, Yeah. he, uh, 
he he knew like he knew that was the place that I loved going, and he knew it was like the place that I, I showed him. And he just I don't know why, but he's like that place came up in his mind, and he told the police to check there. Found me just like laying on the floor. So then the police like basically picked me up. They put me in handcuffs and literally like have like their like baton like pressed against my back, and they're like keep walking. You have to go back home. And you're like 15, 16 years old, right? Like, I'm literally that's... fifteen. I'm fifteen. Like they're like, where's your ID and shit? And I'm like, I don't have one. Like I can't talk. You know, you're here because you're reporting to like a suicide case, bro. Like, why are you questioning me? So they finally called the ambulance. I'm like sitting, I barely can talk, but I'm utter. I, the only thing I'm uttering is literally, hey, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. Like, that's the only thing I'm saying. And they say, okay, fine, sit on the corner of the street. So then I'm just like sitting, like in handcuffs, and, like laying down, like on this thing. Like, I can only, I don't see, sh- I, I don't see anything at this point ambulance comes and they take me to the hospital they pop my stomach and everything luckily my mom my brother had two heart pills right i took half of one like the because it was only like half full and the rest of the other one my mom had gotten prescription laxatives and she uh broke the cap of the bottle she said okay and she put like my brother's heart medicine in a different container and she just put hers her laxatives in there i ended up taking her laxatives in yeah. a way her mislabeling the bottle was a saving grace i mean cps comes to me and this is the issue i have two brothers to think about and a mom right my mom's come from i'm from egypt to the u.s my dad's sheltered her from everything she's not worked a day in her life she does not she's she's not adapted to american culture at all because she's so sheltered and i don't think it's her fault at all because my brother is super sick he needs 24-hour care. He has uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So every single muscle in his body is affected. So she that's a full-time job. So this is the way I laid it out with like CPS. The only thing they were going to do is take all the kids away and put, put us all in foster care or whatever. I was the only one getting the bad treatment. I was the only one. Like I was who's getting really hurt was me. My dad loved my little brother a lot. My older brother, if he went into foster care, he was not going to get the treatment he needed. So it was like, you know what? One life is not worth three other ones. So at that point, I said, it's fine. I basically took the route where I would just go to like the, they wanted to send me to this place called Dominion, which is a mental hospital. I go and um, they check me in there. First time you like, you beat your doctor like the next day, like the psychiatrist, and they just give you pills. I was telling her like what I was feeling. She was just writing a prescription right away. And it was like four different pills that I was taking. And I was like, what like why am i taking all these pills like I, the reason i try to kill myself is because my dad told me to they're like what's wrong and i was like my life's great i love my life at school i love it so much i want to go back to school i'm really great i'm going places it's my house i didn't know what to do i didn't know i didn't know what to do because i'm so limited in what i can say so we, i can't leave the mental hospital until my dad comes to to do like a counseling session with the uh, my caseworker everything sure. so so this is this is where it becomes an issue he's yelling at the caseworker saying well i'm not going to take him home unless he says he's straight and the caseworker does not know how to manage that. She she's yeah. just sitting there in silence and she's trying her best, but like she doesn't know what to say. My mom is just like silent. I at this point, like, I'm like, you know what? I'm stuck in a freaking mental hospital. My dad like, comes visits me and he tells me the only option I have, I can't go back to that school no matter what I do. Um, I have to go to military school. So that point, the doctors, they won't discharge me. Because at that point, they're like, you're not like fixing the problem. You're just like taking him out. He still needs to like we still need the doctor to see him um at least one more time before he leaves like to make sure but all these like different like like protocols are supposed to follow but my dad uh involuntary discharges me i 
go home for a couple of days. But then were you like terrified? Like how what were you feeling like? Like my military school is in Virginia. And Virginia, it's just not known as being the best place. But the place I lived in was right outside of DC. So it's a little more progressive. Where I was going to military school was like like Virginia, Virginia, the part where it was not as progressive, where it was a lot more like uh anti-LGBT. It was a lot more anti even brown. Like it just there was just so many like scary thoughts about that. Going there, I was terrified. I was like, what's gonna happen? Like these boys are not gonna like me at all. They're gonna hate me. I don't know why I thought it was gonna be like prison where they like just like did bad things to people. And I was terrified. So uh ended up getting there and it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like I get there and I meet my roommate and literally the first night he asks me like why I uh, joined, like why I had to like come to the school and everything. And he tells me he was there for drugs. And I was like, my parents are literally bringing me here because I'm gay. And he's like, no way. He takes me upstairs to like we're, like this uh, locker room kind of thing where all the other guys, like everyone would hang out there at night. And like when we go in, he's like, guys, we have a gay kid now. So they were just like joking around and they all just like cheer on me on. They're like all like patting me. I like literally was laughing so hard because I'm like, dang, like, this is completely different than what I thought it was going to be. But then like I start like actually getting into military school and the people are so fun. But the issue became the whole time I was there, I felt like I was being punished. The education was really bad there. I saw the schools that they were getting accepted to. It was like only military schools. None of them were getting to the schools I wanted. And the whole time I was there, I was like, why am I being punished for being gay? My parents hate me. That's why I'm here. It was so freaking awful. And then um, I got caught with like a potential boyfriend. So they call my parents. Oh my gosh. Perfect, right? So my dad calls me and he's like, he's like, you're the reason. Remember this. You're the reason this family is broken. You're the reason goes off and same things. Just a little bit ago, you your dad just had called you and you tried to kill yourself. Yeah, not, like even, maybe. Not, not, two, not two weeks ago. Not even two weeks ago. And he's oh saying God. very similar things. The things that like the, the counselor at the hospital told him specifically, just don't say these things. I said, you know what? If I'm such a burden on this family, like, let's do it again. So again, I took a pair of scissors that I just found. And um, so I just said, like, down both ways on both my um, wrists. And then one of the cadets finds me, reports it to the school. I have to go to the ambulance, everything. And they have to, like, s- stitch me up and stuff. I, like, wake up and I'm talking to the like, head of the school. And he's, like, looking at me. He's like, he's, like, listen, I'm looking at your record now. I don't even understand why you're here. Look at him like, I'm gay. And that's my only issue. And he looks at me and he's like, it's not a problem. Like, that's not the issue. The issue is you don't belong at the school. You're a good kid and you just, you need help. I don't think the school is going to help you. I think the school is just going to be worse for you. At that point, he found out that I was involuntary discharged from the hospital. And there's a rule um, that you're not allowed to enroll um, if you had been checked in to uh, a facility like a mental health facility within an x amount of days without written consent so he he's not going to expel me we're just i'm not gonna let your dad like put you at the school anymore like we're just not gonna let you in from there um i go straight from military school right back into the mental hospital and at that point they make me stay there for two weeks at that point like i knew i had like mental health issues that i just needed to like work on so that's why i just like started to that's what i started to work on it was the same thing when i was in the hospital I couldn't leave unless I was straight. Um, so after two weeks, I just like gave in and said, yep, I'm straight. 
and I left. At this point, my parents moved houses to like a new school district. So I just enrolled within that school, like that new school district. And uh, I did not want to like ever go through the hospital stuff again. And I um, start lying. I just like can't risk it. I have to be straight. And I like convinced myself that I was straight. I like had a girlfriend and I hated myself. I hated myself so much, like in the whole relationship, really trying to be like this other person. And every single day got worse and worse and worse and worse because like I was not me. And like I said, my dad, he's not the best person, but he is smart. He is yeah. financially, he's amazing. So in my head, I was like, you know what? Let me just like, like, that's what I'm going to use. If that's what they're going to provide, that's what I'm going to use. Yeah. People started finding out that I was gay. They like, it was just confusing because they just kept hearing stuff about me. Cause like it was a smaller town. People talked, you know, so they heard like this kid left our school because he like went to some like mental hospital, but then they heard that I went to a military school and then they heard I was like back in a mental hospital. So they were hearing all these things and they're like, okay, who is this kid? So then people just like started like just not trusting me. So um, I want to be a doctor. So I joined uh, drama and through the time of doing drama and everything, I uh, meet this one girl and her name's Claire and we become like best best friends like ever and like um even though my friends don't i mean even though my parents have like never like wanted to come to my shows and things her family would always come they would always support me and i joined the swim team but then people on the swim team started noticing that i have a lot of um i have a lot of like scars from like my self-harm like a lot and then the captain of the team pulls me back and he like talks to me he's like listen i won't understand what you're going through or like what you've been through or what's causing you to do like that but just know that like you can call me any like instead you can call me anytime and it just felt good to have just another a masculine figure because he wasn't like a gay like another gay person someone that cared about me and like wanted me to be okay so it made me start to feel a little better after a while like i just i really don't like myself like i just hate myself so i like do it again but this time like i make sure it's my brother's like heart medicine I triple check and then I drink an entire like bottle of fireball because I, I just thought like you really need to make it happen this time and um like it it was supposed to work like it was because my mom was gone and then she came home early and she like made me come upstairs from the basement um to like eat I like literally like I'm, I can't even like walk up the stairs I'm like literally like barely there I like literally like projectile vomit and then blackout at that point I was just like laying on the floor and i could not like see um anything at all like at all like totally black you know, yeah. yeah but i could hear like everything like around me and i could still like i could feel things but i just couldn't like wow. see and i couldn't talk and um i just yeah. hear my mom like screaming like back and forth and like everybody and she's like he did something he did something and then she calls my dad and she's like i don't know what's going on and then she calls like the ambulance and then like i guess the ambulance comes and then they like start doing something like they're pinching my toe and they're like respond 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 all of a sudden i wake up in like a i don't wake up but i'm still like i like am back in that phase where it's like i can't talk i can't see but i can feel and i can hear and I'm, i like hear like just like medical noise like beeping and then i like go back out and then it comes back and then i like try to open my eyes and then I, they open and then I'm like feeling around and there's like a tube in my um, uh, penis. And they like, I don't know, yeah, that's what they stop, like pump your stomach with, I guess. Um, like the doctor comes in like right away and he's like, 
you don't understand how lucky you are. They start going through all these things. It's like there's nothing wrong with your brain. You waking up right now, you not having a cognitive disability, you not being paralyzed, all those things, the chances they did not happen to you, you understand. I understand you don't want to be here, but you were saved today and you're supposed to be here. There's a reason you're supposed to be here. I go to the hospital for a month. I have this moment like where I've been in there for like three weeks or something. And they're already like shipping me to um this like residential program uh where I'm gonna be for like next year of my life. And then I am thinking like, wow, okay, this is it. Like this is like the rest of my life. Just some kid who's gonna be trapped in a hospital. No one's gonna listen to him, all because I'm gay. So I'm like, you know what, like what happened? Like what happened to like that dream? And then I was like thinking, I was like, you know. At the end of the day, like the only person that cares about your dreams or what you could be is yourself. People like live for their mom, they live for their parents, they live for their family, they live for their friends. I live for my dreams. My dreams is to really give back to like and help all these people that like have helped me in the slightest or these kids that are like me. Those are the ones I want to help. And when I started like thinking like that, and I'm like, okay, different person, like I'm fine. And this is how bad the system is. They think that like a person could go from like about to being shipped to a residential program to being healthy enough to, to leave in a week. So, and I go back to the same school. At this point, I guess I just don't hide it anymore. I don't care what people say. I, I just want to get through school. Um, nobody really like likes me at school anymore. So I only have like four good friends. And I also have like an insane, like people hear things about my family. They just don't want to be close to me. Like their parents would just be like, stay away from them. Like that kid's got a reputation. Yeah. Don't be near yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a reputation for what? Like I felt like I was being punished for I don't know why I was being right. punished. And again, there was not like, there was literally not any gay people that were openly out at all. So anyway, we go through this. And then um, my senior year of college, of high school, I want to go to a different high school. And I had like, I wanted to do this. Like, it was like a college courses at UCLA, but like through for acting and stuff. So it was like this whole like program. So I auditioned and I didn't think I was going to like get in, but I actually did. But the program was so expensive and I started working at Starbucks and I like literally saved every single cent until I could afford to go. Amazing. And then I go to UCLA for the summer and that's where my life literally changed. I don't know. It was just happiness. It was like, like genuine happiness. Well, you got to be you, yeah. you know, like everything you've ever wanted to be and tried. Exactly. And so I literally went like off the wall. I was so happy. Um, but obviously that was only for two months and it right. ends and I like go back home. But then in the plane there, I was like, you know what? I learned so much over there. I'm going to come back here. Like I, this, I left a piece of me there. Like there's no way I'm not going to go back to California. I'm going to go to uh, school there. And then I realized that you need a lot of training um, to get into these performing arts schools. Like, like it's just so crazy. Well, it's like dedication and a lot of money. I mean, yeah. to get all the training. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't have either of those. Like, I mean, I had the dedication, but I didn't have, because another thing is you need dedication, you need the money, but you need support from your family. And I did not have family support. I did not have the money to do it because it was on me. So luckily that year, a brand new high school had been built in my um, town and that high school had a crazy, insane drama department. I trans i literally put in like transfer paperwork and everything and i go there for my senior year i want to be there because they can help me get into college and they did everything was going great up until end of october my computer like breaks like my macbook and uh my dad like takes it so he can fix it he opens it and he reads like all these messages with um this guy that i was dating a month ago and i literally get a call from 
my dad and he just says the guy found all the messages like you're taking you're getting taken out of that school right away it's because that drama teacher i know he's gay and he's making you be gay like you were doing so he's like you were doing so great and now you think you can be gay again you're going back to the hospital you're going back to most and i was like no i was like no like i can't i was like you're not gonna put me there he's like then you're not coming home because it was the first time i was like staying up he's like no he's like no then you're not coming home He's like, you're, you're not my son. You get, he's like, you get like, if I come home and you're there, just watch what will happen. I go home. I call my mom. She's like, please just like go to your friends. I don't know. She, she just doesn't know what to do. So I take like a backpack and I just like pack a couple things. I go to my friend's house. She picks me up basically. And I go to her house. I'm like bawling. She tells her mom what's going on. She's like, of course you can stay here. But then the girl that I first met when I was at my old school at the drama, she uh, also comes and her and I were always best friends and I end up going home with her and like I stay with her for like a couple nights and then like literally the day after I get kicked out I have to go back to school because if I miss any more days I won't graduate like because of uh, my audition schedule so I go back to the school and they um basically I have to like do all this like paperwork to file for the McKinney Vento Homeless Act and it's basically declares you as a ward of the state um you're an independent a ward of the state and then that means like the government is in charge of you and they will help you so like so i get like free transportation free school lunch okay um, yeah so like so i could like eat and stuff at school so they help me a lot like i had breakfast lunch and i could get like two meals my college board fees and stuff those were all waived so i could still apply to school my application fees for schools were waived it sucked because to me, I had to do it so quickly, like, and I did not have a single day to process like what was happening to me. And I start couch surfing because I just kept feeling like a burden, even though they all said I was like more than welcome. So I started like just like sleeping in like school buses because they would, you could like basically like get onto the top of a bus, and they have the emergency locks that open to get in. So I would open those, and I'd just wake up at like five in the morning, or, like four forty-five to be exact, and I would go to like a Harris Theater wait for them to open, go inside, stay in the bathroom for a minute, then go to and walk to school and then act like I and then go to rehearsal and act like nothing was like happening. But then um people found out that I did that. My friend um he let me stay with his family, but um I was still going back and forth with like my other like my best friend. I would go there like every like every weekend or any time I could really. Her mom always knew things everything that was happening with me and she just was like my mom. She she treated me like a kid, like her kid. And so I basically stay with the, uh, my best friend's family. And from then, they just like take me in as like one of their own. Like, we never, leg- I never legally get adopted, but I call them my adopted family because like, for example, like the, I am like living there. And then one day, like they redo the guest room that I'm staying in and they make it into my bedroom. Like they put like my initials, my pictures, my like picture the family with like with them like a new bed new mattress like new everything just to make it feel like a home for me um like your own yeah yeah. like christmas comes around they're celebrating christmas with me like they're like it just it was just like a lot of different things that were happening like that really just made me feel like family you know and i started calling her mom i started calling my mom mom and i started calling my dad dad and then like me and my like best friend claire i refer to her as my sister and then her brother, my brother, he was super um like standoffish to most people. Him and I start getting like along super well. And then my mom, like, we're just having dinner one night and I'm just like always thanking her because I'm like, I'm so grateful that you 
um, let me like be part of the family and stuff. She doesn't. She tells me she's like, you don't understand how much you've done for our family. Like you've really like helped bring us together more than we ever could. And at that point, I I stopped feeling like a burden because I realized that like it, this was a family that really did love me for me. And um, I was so blessed to like finally find that at the end. And because of that, um, I start like finishing up my auditions and stuff. And this is cool. I got accepted into every single school I applied to. Oh yeah. my god, that's amazing! <laughs> and every and every single school only accepted like fourteen boys. So it was like a huge honor. All your hard work paid off, you know. Like yeah. you are wanted into each one of these places, you know. Like that's so cool. It, it, it was crazy because it was like my whole life I was getting no's. So it was just like cool to get like a lot of yeses at once. And then the whole thing um, with financial aid that like got scary because how am I supposed to afford this? Like, but the college advisor would always, always like she was like, "Listen, I found this scholarship. I found this. I found this. I found this." And she would send me everything, and every single thing I applied to, I got. I was getting. Um, if not a full ride, practically a full ride to most like of my schools. And a lot of my scholarships that I was getting were um, scholarships that would transfer. So like it was 3000 a year or like 4000 a year. Um, so for four years. So it was like, it was just so helpful. And um, then a couple of churches and synagogues, because I was, I stayed with a lot of like Jewish and Christian families. Um, they wanted me to start giving speeches for like LGBT homeless youth. They would just donate. They wanted me to go to college. And then my school like literally just made a GoFundMe for me. GoFundMe goal was like 5,000 bucks. But then I had like a history teacher. I don't know why. I don't know why, but she donated $15,000. Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I don't even That's know. so amazing. Yeah. Well, and like to have all these people believe in you, like, ah, this is so amazing. I basically get to choose what school I go to. So I go tour um, Pace and I just, I knew, I knew that like Pace was the place. Your story is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, all the struggles you've went through and, and where you're at now at 22 years old, you're so positive and kind and loving and you're so wise. I just want to help. And your wisdom is just benefiting so many people. So what advice would you give an LGBTQ&A person who is struggling with loving themselves? When it comes to loving yourself, it's definitely something, it comes from within. I think something that helped me was to stop doing things that were self-deprecating. For example, um, when I would look in the mirror, I would always point out every single thing I hated of myself first. And in return, that just made me more insecure. So I started instead looking at my favorite parts of whether it was like my face or my jaw or my whatever it was, I just found something positive. And if I could not find something positive in the mirror, then I just avoid the mirror. Just like, don't look at it. Start my day off with something that's actually gonna put me in a good mood rather than make me feel insecure. That's like one huge thing I would say is always try to start your day with something positive and not something that's going to make you insecure. But do you have any regrets? I just don't know. I, I really don't know. Like I, I could always say I wish that things didn't happen the way they did. I wish my parents were more accepting. But at the end of the day, I would have just been like my dad. I don't think, I think everything happened for a specific reason. And I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for every single thing that happened to me. And I know I should really regret, like I should really wish that like my life was normal. But if my life was normal and I had not gone through these struggles, 
I, I don't like I don't know who yeah like I don't know this is it's so, it's interesting like every time we talk to somebody and we get to this point it's so not to say that some people are healed and some aren't but like when when people have kind of like come full circle in their lives they sit there and they recognize like this is my story and I love who I am today and without all those hardships I would not be this person right yeah I, I don't have regrets like I am who I am like today because of every single thing that happened to me like I'm helping so many people right now I look at my messages every day and I cry because they're kids just like me so reading those messages there's not an ounce of me that wishes that something happened differently because if I was not on this app there are thousands and thousands and thousands of kids that would not be able to express how they're feeling um, to someone that may understand them. So I, I can't regret anything. And you are one hell of a role model for these kids. Like I know Tara just said this earlier, but you are so well-spoken and so in tune with who you are that you're such a positive role model. I don't know that they could have anybody better. I mean, to be 22 years old and be this well-rounded of an individual, I mean. Thank you. Um, so what have you learned about yourself going through this entire process? Um, I learned that going through everything that at the end of the day, you have to be your biggest supporter and you have, you have to keep going. You have, I think you have to keep going. And, um, something that one of my teachers always told me was no matter how dark a situation can be, you always have to find the light or find the positive. There's always a positive that comes out of something. And I, like I hold that true. What do you think has been the hardest part of your journey? Loneliness. Like I'll, I'll be real. I get lonely a lot, like a lot, just because my relationship now with my birth family is like weird. I will try to talk to my birth mom, um, and I try to talk to my brothers, but it's just so different from what it used to be before all this happened. And even though I have like my adopted family now, they're so far away. And since I was in school in New York, all my friends are mainly in New York. So like in LA, like I'm here solely for like business, career, and like myself. Even when you're completely, I think when you're like, okay with everything, you're healed and everything, um, that lonely feeling can only just creep up on you again and be like, hey, I'm still here. Why doesn't your family love you? Because those are real feelings that like, I mean, even even people that are the most self-confident people in the world, yeah, have a bad day. Exactly. Or, and that's you know. the thing. Like some days things happen um, and you'll have like really bad days, but it's all about like looking at the positive, flipping it over and being like, okay, how can I like, I'm okay today. Like how can I make this a better day for me? What can I do to like enjoy myself today? So I always try right. to like just flip myself up and be like, okay, you got this. Like, um, So what do you hope that the takeaway is of your story for anyone that's listening? It gets better keep going, never stop being yourself, embrace who you are in every single way, shape, form, capacity that you can. You are the most amazing, unique individual on this planet. There's nobody like you. There's never going to be anybody like you. So stop trying to be anybody else but yourself completely. You need to only fill your shoes, not anybody else's, Stop worrying about what other people think about you. Only care about what you think about yourself. And if you're not having good thoughts about yourself, flip them around and make them positive. You are your, You need to be your biggest supporter. You need to be your biggest best friend. And nobody is going to care about your dreams like you do. So have these big dreams. 
then don't be afraid to go get them because I promise you, I promise you, promise you, they're so obtainable. They're right there. They're right there. You can grab them. I promise. Just keep pushing. Like that's it. You you can you can flip the cards around. You can play the cards the way that you want to, not the way that you were given them. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on here. Thank and you guys. Yes, for this has been absolutely amazing. We are so honored to be able to collaborate with you to get your story on our podcast and shared. And um, we have a few fun pop questions that we do just to lighten up everything, right? Anything. <laughs> Okay. Everything. So, uh, question number one: Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? Justin Bieber. <laughs> I love Justin Bieber so much. I don't know. Actually, wait. Not now, though. How about toilet paper? Over or under? Over. No. Under. No. Over. I don't know. Play with them. <laughs> over. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, if you could meet anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Uh, Andy Warhol. Ah, oh, that's a good one. I love the way he saw things. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Mm, okay. It's like, okay, if you do it and it's oh your God. thing, but it's not my thing. <laughs> I personally go for like the extra meat. I go for like the thing. Like, I honestly, like, if I eat pizza, like, no one wants to get near me. I want like extra meat. I want onions, I want peppers. Like, I, I want, want like, everything on it. Except 12 layers of cheese. That's cool. Me too. Yeah. Like, every cheese in the book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, honestly. No crust, just cheese. <laughs> Give me a layer of fried cheese. I'm, I need it. Okay, so last question. You're arrested, and what do your friends and family think it's for? Um, probably uh, disturbance to the public or something. Being obnoxious, whatever. Being obnoxiously loud and like out there, like that's what I got arrested for. Literally, <laughs> so great for being too opinionated. <laughs> Oops. Rami, you are absolutely, without a doubt, the definition of understanding and kindness and compassion. And we cannot thank you enough for being unapologetically you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so, so, so much for having me. We're so happy you joined us. And we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Unapologetically You Podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean so that we can continue to inspire you.